Welcome to a special edition of the BioCentury This Week podcast. Today we are previewing the BioCentury Bay Helix East-West Biopharma Summit. It's scheduled for October 2nd through the 4th in Kendall Square. Joining me to help set the stage for the event are Guo Liang Yu, the chairman of Bay Helix, who is also the chairman and CEO of Apolomics, and Olivier Leclerc, a senior partner in McKinsey's life sciences practice. BioCentury Bay Helix and McKinsey, well, we, we've had a 10-year collaboration based on our mutual interest in fostering cross-border innovation. Bay Helix, of course, the nonprofit organization that connects cross-border life sciences business leaders in China and the U.S., and of course, you all know McKinsey. From the BioCentury side, we're joined by BioCentury's co-founder and CEO, David Flores, editor-in-chief Simone Fishburn, and the man behind the conference curtain, Josh Berlin. He's BioCentury's head of BD. Now, this is the second time we are hosting this event after last year's meeting in the San Francisco Bay Area. And it comes as we are seeing record cross-border deal flow. Western companies struck seven times more deals to access innovative technology from China's biotechs last year than a decade ago. And this comes as China's life sciences industry has grown from generics heavy to innovation focused. I'd like to bring in David now to give the origin story of this year's event. David, welcome to the podcast. What's the theme of this year's event and why bring it to Cambridge? Well, I think you'll hear several things repeated in this conversation and, and we think we need to repeat them. So one of the things that I would say is that BioCentury at its core believes that innovation in healthcare cannot achieve full value for either patients or investors without a globalization strategy. And that is to say that science, technology, and capital must combine across borders to invent, develop, and distribute new treatments everywhere. So as I've said this before on, on this podcast and at our conferences, BioCentury's goal is to help build these networks working with Bay Helix and McKinsey. We've used our conferences as a platform for the globalization dialogue in Europe as well as Asia, but there's still work to be done to close this loop in the U.S. That's why we started the East-West Summit last year in the Bay Area and why we're continuing our advocacy for globalizers in Boston this year. Frankly, we think the U.S. audience needs to keep hearing this message. As Jeff has already pointed out, we've been seeing a rush of deals for innovation flowing from East to West, not just from the West. And we're not talking about Me Too assets, but something we are calling innovation on innovation. Now, Simone Fishburne's team has diligently documented this phenomenon, and she'll have a lot more to say about it at the East-West Summit. Thanks for that teaser, David. Uh, I'd like to bring in Guoliang now. Guoliang, what's the importance of this event for Bay Helix? Yes, so, you know, we've been joining BioCentury and McKinsey for this event for uh, quite uh, several years now, and this really have brought many people together you know, David mentioned about innovation is actually happening uh, all 
around the world, not just in the West, but also East. And I, you know, personally have witnessed many of those innovations has been cross borders and uh, lots of collaborations has uh, kind of increased in the past years, despite the pandemics. You know, it's so exciting to see people wanting to get together through uh, our event and uh, joining the programs, not only just kind of uh, tell people what they've been doing, but really finding ways to collaborate. And I also like the fact that, uh, you know, the collaborations, you know, the event has uh, took place in uh, many places now, of course, uh, uh, we're going to do this in Boston as well as in Shanghai in the coming months. So certainly, I think uh, the members of Bay Helix, which is, uh, you know, we started off from uh, San Francisco Bay Area, but now it's all over the world. And uh, we have uh, a very large presence in the Shanghai area in China, where many members really enjoy the event, the collaboration with uh, uh, and McKinsey. So. It's a, certainly very exciting to be part of it. Yeah, and the highlight of the event again this year is going to be a special report that's produced by Olivier's team at McKinsey. Olivier, high level, what are some of the key takeaways from your team's analysis? What's the focus this time around? Well, first of all, I would say that I'm very excited, and we are very excited to partner with you guys, as always. And uh, we operate our life science practice as a global practice. So we, uh, we actually love those type of events where we combine all, all people from different actually geographies. Uh, this year, I would say we look at the overall theme here is actually the impact of AI and Gen AI on the industry. We'll start by looking at the current landscape for the industry. And I would say here, what we see is two things. Uh, there is a little bit of a disconnect in our view between what the public markets uh, are telling us, and we know that the public markets are challenging right now for biotech. At the same time, we see actually sort of continuous investment from VCs and early stage investors in light of the exciting innovation landscape that we see in biotech. And so we'll try to understand this disconnect. We'll also try to, to show that actually the economic equation for, for the industries is clearly becoming a bit more challenging. Uh, there's a high level of competition on promising targets, probably actually some uh, pricing pressures in different markets, including the US, and uh, a consistently high cost of innovation amidst the landscape of tighter capital markets. So, so value creation is probably becoming increasingly challenging for biopharma. And so the question is, can AI or Gen AI change the game? Can, can AI and Gen AI change the equation and create value in a way that actually will uh, drive actually the next uh, five, 10 years of innovation for the industry? That's kind of the overall theme for this year. Olivier, what jumps out to me actually is I sort of see a certain parallelism. You know, one of the things that we really believe, and this taps into what Dave said, we, we feel that People still need to hear this message, right, uh, in, in the U.S. about the amount of innovation that there is. I think taking it to Boston is particularly interesting because that, that seems to be an area where people sometimes think they don't need to go beyond Kendall Square. So we're like, OK, well, we'll do it in Kendall Square. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I think that um, there's sort of a feeling that if you're not paying attention to this, you're going to be left behind. And I see that that's also sort of a thread through the A.I., kind of 
mantra right now, which is I think that what your report, hopefully you tell us, will will illustrate is how people are using it, how they're deploying it and where you see it going. But I you know what I sort of hear from people is that if if you're not already engaging with this, you're you're way behind. Is is that how you see it too? That's how we see it, yes. And uh, and and you could actually decompose the, the impact of AI in two um, in two broad themes, if you will. There's a the first theme would be optimization. AI will be able to optimize some processes and accelerate timelines for um, you know pharma development and biotech development in general. So there's a there's a notion of optimization. There's also a, a notion actually that's actually even more exciting, which is I would say the the, the second theme would be prediction. And can AI actually help us predict? what targets and leads will be successful in the future and potentially over time impact probability of success for the industry. And if you move that, right, if you move that actually probability of success, then the impact on, on value, as we all know, is going to be tremendous. So to your point, I think, I don't want to say people are going to be left behind, but I would say actually sort of the, for sure, actually, there's a, there's a clear, um, you know, lots of investment, both in AI focused companies, but also if you're a biotech today, you can completely ignore it and actually sort of in your research and development, you're going to have to use AI, right? And and uh, and hire the talent for it. Yeah, sure to be a big focus of chatter at the conference. Simone, uh, you're moderating quite a few panels again this year, including one of the kickoff sessions, the Scene Setter panel. You're also on tap for the Heads of R&D Roundtable. Anything that you'd like to highlight for us? First of all, I'll just say thanks, Jeff, and thanks, Josh. Josh always makes me work hard at these uh, at these events, but uh, it's actually my privilege. So we in our scene setter, this is this is the second scene setter because we did one for East West last year, but we've been doing it for Bioequity Europe, our European conference, and our China Healthcare conference for a few years. And um, what we're looking at this year is really the heart of the conference in some way, in some ways, we're looking at the nature of East-West deals where Western companies in the last year and a half, I think I'm going to say, look, since 2022, since the start of 2022, have partnered with companies in Asia. Um, so not just China, actually companies in Asia. And what we're really looking at is what are they what is the innovation that they're that they're tapping what is the innovation that they're accessing you know is it products is it technology how are they using it what are the deal terms so so what we hope to do with that is to start to look at what are the pockets of excellence the ways that china companies are really innovating i call it innovating on innovation what what are they really taking a concept like an adc and where are they going with it and what's the value that Western companies are finding in that. And when they put a number on it, what's that number? So that's how we're thinking about that. And we'll be discussing that in our opening scene setter panel. And, you know, obviously that thread carries through into, well, throughout the conference really, but the heads of R&D panel, it's actually heads of R&D and scientist CEOs. And so what I have is Andy Plump from Takeda, Robert Plenge from BMS, and uh, Ji Hong, who was previously at GSK and is now chairman and CEO at, at Brie Bioscience, a very up and coming and interesting China biotech. And what we'll talk with them about is, is what do pharma companies 
see and what do scientists CEOs want to convey as they look to build their pipelines, as they look to think a little bit, going back to what I asked Olivier, like what are the areas that they have to be in? What are the areas? How do they, you know, build their pipelines? And to what degree are they geography agnostic about this? Or, you know, are they, are they going to China to look for particular specific kinds of assets? So those are some of the threads of the conversations we'll be having. Yeah, so so Jeff Josh Berlin at BioCentury. So you know, I, this is uh, as everyone's been mentioning. You know, a, a long, long partnership we've had with our friends at McKinsey and at Bay Helix, and uh, Guliang. You know, I know this week uh, that we're having this event is first week of October. It's a major holiday in China. It's sort of the time when many uh, leaders in in Asia come back to the U.S. And so we're expecting a, a good crowd here. In right there in Kendall Square, with an opportunity for folks to um, meet face to face, and you know, for a lot of us, it's been a long time since we've met face to face. Been a lot of Zoom calls, and and so forth. So, can, can you talk a little bit about that, and and, and sort of the importance of, um, or whether you think it's important that we all sort of get back together in in person here in Kendall Square? Definitely, Josh. You know, as as you point out, face to uh, face meeting is uh, really important, and and certainly see a lot of enthusiasm about uh, you know meeting people. Uh, especially, I think people are quite excited about the meeting in Boston. Um, actually, I just attended uh, the Bao Hong Kong, uh, which uh, is a relatively new conference, but uh, I was surprised to see uh, so many people were there, uh, including. Many, I would say, probably, you know, about half of the speakers came from uh, Bay Helix. <laughs> you know, our members are certainly very active, and uh, I think people start to travel. Although, you know, the uh, airline ticket is still very expensive. Uh, you know, between the China and the U.S., I think people uh, certainly start doing that, and they also see the need to interact with colleagues in, in the U.S. And many of them, you know, still have a route. Uh, back in the U.S., so taking advantage of the national holiday in China, which is uh, coming beginning of October, even at the end of uh, September, you know, it's it's a very it's probably the longest holiday ever uh, in China, you know, in the entire year. So people want to take advantage of that and uh, travel back to the you know to the U.S. to see people and to catch up things. So it's, it's a good opportunity, and uh, I'm glad we uh, choose. Boston as a venue as well. It's so certainly very vibrant there. Yeah, you know, Julian, uh, th- thank you for that. You know, we, we do have, you know, quite a few folks, I think, on the program that are that are emblematic of that. You know, we have examples like, uh, you know, James Lee, CEO of uh, JW Therapeutics, cell therapy company. I'm sure a lot of our audience knows about James Shu, who's the CEO of China Rare's Diseases Play Cambridge Pharmaceuticals. We got Mary Wet- Marietta Wu of Schwann Capital. And, and, you know, quite a few cross-border leaders who are going to be, you know, right there on stage in, in, in Kendall Square. And so, you know, I, I personally am just really looking forward to, to seeing folks again in person and, and having those hallway conversations that I've, you know, personally missed quite a lot over the last several years. So I think it's going to be a really, really good event, Jeff, to, to meet with folks with, without ever, ever having to leave Kendall Square this time. Yeah, and speaking of uh, staying local, uh, we've got Chris Wiebacher, who's going to be in the house in a fireside chat with David. David, what are you going to ask him? 
Oh, you know, it's Chris and I have had over the years interesting conversations at conferences, riding buses and conference dinners and whatnot. And and, and I thought that we just talked recently about what would be a great idea is to have someone who's been part of the Boston landscape dating back to the Sanofi Genzyme transaction is now running Biogen. So he's like sort of in the fabric of change there and, and just talk to him about like from his perspective, what has it taken to become a CEO? And for all the CEOs in the audience, many of them have never gone through the kind of markets and regulatory environment that we're now in. How do you think about being a CEO going forward? So we're not going to spend a lot of, you know, he can talk as much as he wants about the transactions that he's done and what his pipeline is. But what we really want to talk about is how do you lead going forward in this environment that we now face? Yeah, David, this is a really exciting topic. I, I think many, many people, you know, as I talking to young entrepreneurs here, and particularly in today's uh, environment, you know, the capital market is uh, uh, on the uh, in the valley. And uh, everybody, you know, kind of get very anxious about it. So how do you kind of uh, take a, a long view and uh, project into the future? Say, how do you prepare yourself? You know, the market will come back. You know, we've seen this many times. So I think uh, you kind of uh, have a realistic view of uh, the future and prepare yourself and also maintain sort of uh, optimistic way you know biotech will be there you know, i keep saying you know do you think biotech is going to go away you know this is always my question no never right i mean this is going to stay and they're going to grow so therefore those of us that uh, have uh, experienced the past up and down really ought to tell people say look you know this is just uh, the challenge we're facing uh, at this moment and it will be over and uh, things will be better well, I think that's a great place to leave it. I mean, some of the deals that might be getting done at this conference could could help make that happen, Goliang. All right, and uh, I trust that I'll get to see you at our next conference, the China Healthcare Summit, which is just around the corner. That is coming up in November in Shanghai, yeah? Yes, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody in Shanghai. Excellent, but first, let's head to Cambridge. Now, there's still time to register for the BioCentury Bay Helix East-West Summit. Again, it kicks off on October 2nd, runs through the 4th, and you can head to biocenturyeastwest.com to register and learn more about who else is speaking other than people that we've teased for you here today. Hope to see you in Cambridge in just another week. Looking forward to it, Jeff. Thank you, everyone. Excellent. Well, Goliang, Thank Olivier, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Much, much appreciated. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Excellent. And thank you for tuning in. All of BioCentury's podcasts have the pleasure of having the music provided by Kendall Square Orchestra. And the group connects science and technology professionals and other members of the greater Boston community to collaborate, innovate, and inspire through music while supporting causes related to healthcare and education. We will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in.